prosperity. And so here's another one of my favorites. Psalm 112, verses 1, 2, and 3. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Come on now, wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures forever. Brother Pastor Bill Winston was talking. I don't recall what country he was in. He was in a, a different country and they called him up to, he, he was about ready to preach. They told him that the night before they said, hey, you are, are set to speak at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. is kind of early. So it must be a breakfast meeting. He said, well, what time does the meeting actually start? Because he thought maybe like serve breakfast at 6.30, you know. He says, no, the service starts at 4 a.m. You come on at 7 a.m. Well, the man who introduced him, <laughs> don't be offended at this, okay? The, on understanding. We're getting past on understanding, okay? The man who introduced him, he said, if you're, he said, I tell the pastors that I oversee that if somebody in your congregation gets born again and they're not a millionaire in nine months, that you're not teaching them right. Wow. Pastor Bill Winston's going, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Amen. Well, is it not our covenant? Yes, it is. Is it? I got, I got a couple of yes and amens from Vanessa. Is it not our covenant? Yes. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and righteousness endures forever. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. All right, young adults tomorrow night, communion next Sunday. Now, this is what I really want to talk to you about before we get into the Word this morning. On March the 17th, uh, we're going to... Do, first time we've ever done something like this, but we're designating that day as a as Heritage Christian Center Kenya Day uh, here at Heritage, and uh, we're going to be receiving a special offering for our churches in Kenya on March the seventeenth. And um, a lot of you know that there was an uh, an accident where a drunk driver had hit a team of our ministers, and one of them lost their lives in that uh, that accident. And, of course, we as a family of faith, we, we paid for the funeral. We did a lot of those things that we felt like were our responsibility to do, and we did those. Um, thieves stole the sound system out of the car. They were going to do a gospel crusade, so we replaced that sound system with a better one than they stole. When I say we, I, I, when I get in front of you, the, the minutes that I have in front of you are so precious, and the most precious thing that I know that I can do when I'm in front of you is, is share the Word of God with you. Amen. And so I, probably at a fault, I don't take enough time to do this. And that's why we're going to focus on some more of these things and what's going on in Kenya and what you're a part of in Kenya, what we're a part of in Kenya. Um, but what's happened is uh, an extended family member of the, of the minister who, who uh, lost his life uh, filed suit against the church for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Not us. You know, he doesn't have a right to sue us, but he sued the churches in Kenya. And um, once the judge understood the situation and what the churches were doing there and, and um, the fact that we had covered the funeral expenses and, and all those things, there was still a judgment that was uh, handed down. 3000 it's less than $4,000, okay? And, um, and obviously, you know, we have the money as a church in the account right now to, to help cover that, okay? But I really feel like the Lord spoke to me. He said, no. He said, uh, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to give everybody an opportunity to sow special love offering into, into that and then anything above and beyond um, that, uh, we're going to help them and bless them. Amen. Uh, Pastor Cornelius, they just planted another church um, where they were headed back into last year and had the accident. Um, not to be denied, they finally traveled to that location, had uh, open air crusade for several days, and um, one of the ministers that was with them uh, felt led to stay there, and so another church has been started, another church has been planted, and so uh, we w- we want to help them. Amen? Amen. 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 Offering for the saints, uh, brother Donald, if you missed his sermon uh, last year on on that, uh, look it up. It, it, it's life changing. Amen. And so uh, you be praying about what the Lord would have you to do. Again, that's March the 
17th. I didn't want to just spring it on you. I want to give you time to think about it. The Bible says as the Lord lays it on your heart to set it aside. Uh, and then when the opportunity comes, uh, you give it. And So anyway, we'll get some other details together for you. And we'll talk more about what God's doing uh, through you and me and through the Holy Spirit and through Pastor Cornelius and others in Kenya uh, on the 17th. Praise God. All right. Um, <clears throat> most of the time I title a sermon after the sermon. Uh, in the early days of preaching the sermons, I would start with the title and then develop the sermon with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And then I would sometimes give the title, preach a sermon, and the sermon didn't fit the title. So I learned pretty quickly to title the sermon after the fact. Amen. But on occasion, the Holy Spirit gives me the title. And so that's what's happened this morning. And so here, here is our title, Breaking Free from a Darkened Understanding. Breaking Free from a Darkened Understanding. I want us to spend a minute here with this, okay? Matter of fact, I want you to lean over to your neighbor and say, I'm breaking free. That was kind of weak. Lean over to your neighbor and say, I'm breaking free from a darkened understanding. A darkened understanding is not going to hold me back any longer. All right, so we're breaking free from a darkened understanding. Now, we've talked a great deal over the last several months about trusting in the Lord, about acknowledging Him in all of our ways, trusting in Him with all of our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding so that He can then do what? So that He can direct our paths. And we have, throughout the course of our study, we have woven many different verses uh, into that central truth and, and, and what it looks like to trust in the Lord and what it looks like to follow Him down an unfamiliar path and that as we do follow him down that unfamiliar path, what did he promise? He said that he would make, uh, he would turn darkness into light as we went. Amen. And so this darkness that we're talking about is not just the darkness that we've been set free from, but it's the darkness that tends to linger in a man or a woman's understanding. Now, <clears throat> I want to be brief here because we could spend three Sundays here. But remember, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-dimensional being, and you will not get very far in the things of God thinking as a one-dimensional being. You will, you will have a hard time understanding what the Word of God says and what God has done for you, who He has made you, what He has given to you, if you only understand it with one-dimensional thinking, flesh-first thinking. Remember when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, Nicodemus looked at him flabbergasted and said, how can a full-grown man go back in his mother's womb and be born a second time? When's the last time you've heard flabbergasted? I don't know where that came from. Amen. All right, I just sitting there thinking, I just said flabbergasted. But anyway, right, praise God. Mental note to look that word up. Praise God. All right. He, he looked at him like a calf looking at a new gate, right? Confused. And Jesus says, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, Nicodemus was trying to understand three-dimensional truth with one-dimensional thinking. And he was thinking, how can, a, how can a body, a physical body, go back into its mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus was talking about something spiritual. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. A popular false doctrine, and notice I emphasize popular and false. In other words, this is not true. But you will hear it on Christian television, you'll hear it in Christian radio and, and music, you'll hear it from pulpits, that we now have two natures, that we have both the nature of God in us, but we also have the sin nature in us. My brother, my sister, you do not have two natures. When you were born again, your old self was buried with Christ and left in an unmarked grave, and he put a new spirit in you. Your old spirit was buried and he put a new spirit in you. He did not factory refurbish your old spirit. He put a new spirit in you. You became every bit new. Old things have passed away. Behold all things. Not some things, not most things. All things have become new when you were born again. 
And so people say, well, it, well, then why do I still want to sin? Why do I still that? It's, it's not that you have that old sin nature any longer. It's that your old nature left an imprint. It left some residue on your soul. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul was not born again. Your body was not born again. Your spirit was born again. It is a past completed work. You have been saved. Same Bible says you have been saved, says you are being saved. Are being saved is referring to the ongoing work of discipleship and sanctification in your spirit, not in your spirit, I'm sorry, in your soul, in the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses your mind, emotions, and your will. Okay? Then you've got your body. That's the part of you that says shall be saved. When, and you, some of you have heard me say this so many times, you can say it better than me, okay? But now, why am I bringing that up? Why am I trying to review that this morning? It's because when we talk about a darkened understanding, we, we often think that that has to mean somebody who's not been born again. But remember, the Bible says that God desires for people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth in that order. A lot of times we think we come to the knowledge of the truth and you get saved. Well, obviously you've got to hear some truth about salvation in order to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. But there are a whole bunch of saved people who have not yet come to the knowledge of very much truth. Amen. It's not like Daniel's taking this six-hour exam today and he's going to pass or fail and he's going to make an A. I know Daniel. If you don't know this about Daniel, since, since kindergarten, he's only made one B and the rest A's, okay? I mean, he's, he's a genius, okay? All right. So, but it's not like a pass or fail. It's not like you've got to know enough uh, of, of the oracles of God to pass some big test uh, to get certified salvation. No. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's one thing to be saved, it's another thing to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so there are a whole bunch of God's children, a whole bunch of born-again men and women on planet Earth today who are still struggling with the residue of the darkened understanding from the life that they lived before they got born again. Amen. Well, you say, show it to me in Scripture, Pastor Mark, I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. He's speaking to born-again People. He's, talking to more, he's talking to men and women that he calls brothers and sisters. Okay? This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So he's talking to people who have been born again but are still living their lives. Notice verse number 1, as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Walk speaks of your daily life. They've been born again, but they're still living for the most part like people who have not been born again. And the word Gentile here is obviously speaking of races of people other than the Jewish race of people. But I think it would, it would, would help us also to understand someone who is a Gentile is someone who does not have a covenant with God, who does not have an official signed off on by God operating agreement with God. I'm not going to go too far down this road, but it would help you understand the book of Job if you understood that Job uh, did not have a covenant with God. And I'm going to leave that alone. But again, we, when, when someone enters into a covenant with God, as a born-again believer under the New Testament or the New Covenant, you have a covenant with God. You're in covenant agreement with God. Someone who is a Gentile is someone who is living outside of a covenant with God. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can now be born again and enter into blood covenant with God, even as a non-biological descendant of Abraham. So the language here is important because what he's in essence saying is, you have a covenant with God, but you're living like somebody who doesn't have a covenant with God. You have a ratified agreement with God that has made you, that provided you all these promises, has made you something you can never make yourself, has given to you things you could never earn or pay for yourself. All of these things have been freely given to you. They belong to you by blood covenant, but you're living as if someone, you're living like someone who does not have a covenant with God. That's the, that's the term here, Gentile. And notice in the futility of their mind. Now, a few things I want to stitch together this morning. And that is, 
the futility of their mind is the New Testament equivalent of leaning on your own understanding. If they're living out of the futility, one translation says the vanity of their mind. Right? This is someone who is not leaning on the mind of Christ. This is someone who is not leaning on... By the way, the mind of Christ is now yours as a covenant son or daughter of God. As someone who's been born again, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. But instead of relying upon and learning from and of and following according to the mind of Christ, they're still living out of their own uh, understanding, out of their own mind. And, and that word futility, if something is futile, it means no matter how many times you do it, it will never produce the result that you want it to produce or that you need for it to produce. It's futile. It's vanity. Amen? I wish I could tell you that only a handful of God's children on planet earth are living this way today. But my friend, that is simply not the truth. What he's talking about here is not, is not speaking of a, a, of a small group of people, a small group of warning and believers. It's talking about a whole, whole bunch of God's people who are still struggling in these areas. And notice this is having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. So to be alienated means... To, to be outside instead of inside. And so again, the language here is we as born again believers have the life and nature of God in us. The eternal life and nature of God. Jesus said to a group of people who had not yet been born again, I've come to give you life. They had bios, they had biological life, but they did not have the supernatural life and nature of God. Jesus came to give to you and me the, the abundant life and, and, and the nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. Eternal life. This is Zoe in, in, in the scriptures. But notice now, he says that you're alienated from the life of God. I like to simplify that by saying they're living like outsiders when they're actually insiders. This goes back to the whole Gentile thing. You have a covenant with God, but you're living like somebody who does not have. Your life experience looks more like someone who does not know God, who does not uh, uh, have a covenant with God than someone who does. And notice he says it's because, why is this? Because of the ignorance that's in you. Because So anytime you see because, he's talking about why this is the case. In other words, the, the simple question would be, you know, why are so many of God's children living like outsiders when they're insiders? Why are so many of God's children living far beneath their right and privilege of the covenant that they've been given? And he gives us two becauses, because of ignorance and because of the blindness of their heart. Ignorance and blindness of their heart. Ignorance and blindness of their heart. So notice now. If the understanding is darkened, it's because of ignorance and because of blindness of the heart. Amen. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about ignorance. Ignorance means you don't know. Hosea 4, 6, my people, God speaking, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He goes on to say that they lack knowledge not because there's no knowledge available, but because they've rejected knowledge. Isaiah 5 and 13 speaks of uh, a hunger that can't be satisfied, a thirst that can't be quenched, and people living as slaves when they're no longer slaves, again, because they lack knowledge. 2 Corinthians 2.11 speaks of us being at a disadvantage to Satan, again, because we're ignorant of his devices, and it gives him an advantage over us. So there are uh, issues here that are completely correctable, but we need to understand, of course, how to correct him. Now, I won't go through all these verses, but, Jer- well, just real quick, Jeremiah 10 and 23. I guess I will. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 10 and 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Again, do you see the futility of, of their mind there? Gentiles. This is how the world lives. Because we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And because he is in us now, because he is in us now, we have uh, the guidance on board. We have the understanding on board. We have the way on board right now. Amen. But if we ignore him, if we don't listen to him, if we don't know how or understand how to follow him, we're going to continue to live like someone who doesn't know God and it's and, and that we don't have uh, the way in ourselves. Of course, we've talked about Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6. Acknowledge God in all your ways. 
Here, here is another one, and we talked about this last week. I'll put it up again. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Do you see the connection? Do you see stitching this together with a, a darkened understanding? Let me say it another way. When Jesus said, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness? He was speaking to a darkened understanding. An understanding that has not been illuminated or enlightened. Amen. Now, I'm going to get to this in just a moment, but I want to make another quick tie-in, and then we'll come back to it maybe and explain it in greater detail. But, oh, thank you, Jesus. I should have put that verse a little closer to the top. Let me go down to it. Amen. Well, let's just do the whole thing since we're here. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you getting anything out of this so far? Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 1 beginning at verse 15. So notice now we were in chapter 4 where Paul is addressing the darkened understanding, living as outsiders when you're insiders, living beneath your covenant rights and privileges, living like someone, even behaving like someone, still practicing sinfulness like someone who's not been born again even though they have been. Vanity of their mind, darkened understanding, ignorance of, of their heart and, and blindness of the heart, okay? So, but if we go back now, I think this is going to provide some context for what we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, if you notice that, that ends in a colon. So, verse 16 ends in a colon. So, he's about to reveal to you and me what it is that he continued to pray uh, without ceasing for the churches, not just the church at Ephesus. I believe that the Apostle Paul prayed this or some version of this prayer for all the born-again men and women. And listen very carefully to, to what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So what's the problem we see in Ephesians 4? The problem we see in Ephesians 4 is that many of the men and women who've been born again, who are in the church there at Ephesus, are still living their lives from a darkened understanding. So do you see now why Paul never ceased to give thanks for them? And when he made mention of them in his prayers, he prayed, first and foremost, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God and that the eyes of their understanding would not be darkened, but would instead would be enlightened. Amen. That they would be enlightened. The eyes of your uh, revelation, the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Now, let me stop right here. The eyes of your understanding, that uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. This word "know" in the Greek is the word "edo," e-i-d-o, e-i-d-o. And it means to see with perception, to see with perception, to see with perception means to see and understand. Now, I'm not trying to go too deep into the, in, into the uh, Greek language here, but most of the time when you find the word know in the New Testament, you're going to find uh, the word gnosko. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. And it means more along the lines of what we think of as knowing. And, and when you drill down into Gnosko, uh, it talks about knowing something by experiencing it. And, of course, all of these things are, are directly connected to what discipleship really is. It's not just about learning in the classroom, but it's about being yoked together with Jesus, doing life together with Jesus, learning as we, as we go along uh, by experience. Amen. But here, this is, uh, again, the Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Paul to use a different word. And and this was that they would literally be able to see with their understanding. That they they would be able to see it. Now, let's, let's take a step back because we've talked over the last few months a great deal about understanding. We did some review on understanding last week. But remember, to understand something means to see it. It means to see it. And so sometimes like if somebody's trying to explain something to you and it's not making sense to you and then maybe they give you a different example or they uh, draw something on a piece of paper or whatever. and So actually seeing it on the piece of paper is not what he means by seeing it. It means that your understanding now comprehends it. You've grasped it, right? 
Sometimes understanding is represented by the light bulb over the head, right? And, and that's, uh, I think, pretty accurate because understanding, remember, knowledge would be pieces of the puzzle. Understanding would be the pieces of the puzzle coming together to, to, to put together a picture. And so when knowledge becomes understanding, it's when all of a sudden, okay, I see it now. I see it now. I had no idea they were going to sing the song this morning that, that they sang. I couldn't see it then, but I could see it now. We sometimes say it this way. We say hindsight is twenty twenty, meaning we can see more clearly looking backwards than we can see looking forwards. I think it was Yogi Berra. Somebody said uh, hindsight is not twenty twenty; It's 50-50. And, of course, he would always take those euphemisms and, and, and kind of twist them around for a joke. I think there's a little bit of truth to hindsight being 50-50 because... Uh, just because you can see it looking back, that doesn't mean you would do anything different. Because we see things clearly and we still do things different, amen, moving forward. But this is the whole idea of, of being able to see it. Uh, this, this might be a great example, uh, or it is a great example. Hebrews 11 and 27, it says, By faith he, Moses, did what? He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. So when Paul was praying that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they may know what is the hope of his calling. Let's get back up there to that now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. You still with me? Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you can hear better in here this morning, but I can. Amen. I told the group on Wednesday night, I I started preaching, and I was like, it was almost distracting me because I wasn't hearing myself twice. And I've become so accustomed to hearing the echo and trying to, you know, cut through all of that, that it was actually so distracting that I couldn't hear the echo. It was was an odd thing. But I'm getting used to it really quick. Amen. I I hope that you are as well. And thanks to uh, Jerry and Joel and others who've been helping with this uh, acoustical project in here all right let's get back to this then all right so um that the god of our father verse 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may see what is the hope of his calling that that you may that you may know that you may see with perception that you may understand in other words that that it becomes so clear to you when it says that moses endured as if he was seeing him who's invisible um, obviously we know that he asked to see God and God said, you can't look on my face and live, but God hid him in the cleft of the rock and let him uh, see his uh, uh, backside, so to speak, uh, not so to speak, but exactly to speak, uh, <laughs> his buttocks, amen, and um, amen, you were made in his image and likeness, you have buttocks because God has buttocks, amen, uh, getting going to embarrass myself here if I'm not careful, amen, so we know that there was that literal visual with the physical eye experience that Moses had with God. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about that his understanding was so clear that he could see the hand of God. He could see the provision of God so clearly. See, we, we have this idea, and, and I, I want you to pay very close attention here. We, we, we hear the expression blind faith. That, that's, that's, that's not, there, let me say it this way. It depends on what you mean by blind faith, but what most people mean by blind faith is not what the Bible's talking about. Faith is the ability to see what you can't see with your eyes. Faith is the ability to see what you can't see with your eyes. You can see it with the eyes of your understanding. Amen. Amen. So notice now what he's praying that they would be able to see with the eyes of their understanding. First of all, the confident expectation of God's calling. And this ties directly into uh, that we've been called into the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus the Son. There are lots of other purposes and assignments that Father God has for your life. But the number one call of God upon every human being on planet earth is, you say it's to salvation. No, salvation is not an end in and of itself. Salvation is a means to a greater end. You got to be born again to have what Father desires to have with you, and that's fellowship. The confident expectation of God's calling that we would see it, that we would see it. See, 
How we see things determines how we respond to things. How we see things determines how we value things. How we look at things determines, uh, you, you know, how we live our lives. That we would see what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. That we would see with perception. That we would begin to understand the eternal wealth and value of what God has put in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. See, this is, this is when miracles start to work through your life. It's when you begin to understand that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. How different would your life be if every morning you woke up with an enlightened understanding and the ability to see the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you looking for something to do through you that day that you can't do by yourself. That we have an understanding of this. That's not just something we hear about on Sundays or something that we know about theoretically. Not just something that we can quote seven verses to support but that we literally see ourselves doing the works that Jesus did. Jesus said that I and my Father are one. I can of my own self do nothing. But the Father who dwells in me, He does the works. And the works that I do, Jesus said, you'll do also. I I don't have any way of knowing how many thousand times I've said those verses back to back to back to back to back over the last year and a half. Confessing it, muttering it, meditating on it. Renewing my mind to it. Seeing it with perception. The Bible says that Abraham saw Isaac raised from the dead in a figurative sense. He was not shaking in his boots, biting his fingernails, wondering how in the world he was going to come back uh, from sacrificing Isaac and explain it to Sarah that he just plunged a knife in their only son's chest and burned burned his body on an altar up there because God told him to. And we have this whole idea that Abraham went into that experience in fear and, 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 and trepidation and, and, you know, how am I ever going to do this, all this agony? No, absolutely not. He tells his wife, me and the boy will return after we make the sacrifice. Because he had already, the Bible says, received him, raised from the dead in a figurative sense. Meaning what? He had already seen it with, with eyes of perception. He saw it with perception. He understood it. He had an enlightened understanding. I don't know if you're hearing me yet or not. How much, how much easier is it, is it for us to do what God's called us to do with an enlightened understanding versus how difficult it is for us to do and live the life that God called us to live with a darkened understanding? I didn't mean to get to this this morning. I was going to, but amen. While we're here, let's just finish it. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, chapter 1 ends uh, in your Bible, in my Bible, you know, and then chapter 2 begins, but the thought doesn't end. Because he continues on with the thought that we were once dead in trespasses and sins, and, and, and we were children of wrath. But because of his great love of which he loved us, because of the great love of which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ Jesus and seated us together with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places far above the same principality, power, might, and dominion that Jesus has been seated far above every power, principality, might, and dominion and every name that's named both in this age and the age that is to come. I love in this age and ages is to come. What is he saying there? He's saying there's nothing present and there's nothing that will ever come on the horizon that will be higher than the name of Jesus, that will not be beneath his authority, that will not be beneath his ability to overcome it. But what does that have to do with you and me? What does that have to do with you and me is that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened and that we would see with perception ourselves seated together with him in that place above principality, power, might, dominion. That changes uh, our lives from living in fear and, 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 and anxiety and, 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 and into living in victory. That all these things, are, 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 they're not greater than Jesus and we're seated above them and not just barely above them. Sometimes I think we picture it like just, we're above them but they're nipping at our heels. No, far above. Yes, not even in the same league. I mean, we're, we're talking about... Uh, 
Kansas City Chiefs playing the 50-pound peewee league here. And it, it's still that even isn't a big enough disparity. So the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding. Now, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I apologize for being a little, I, I tried to get more organized this morning, but I'm just all over the place in my notes. I am excited about it. All right. Let me do this, and I don't know if we'll have time for the rest of this this morning, but we'll get to it, I promise you. This is part one, breaking free from darkened understanding, all right? Let's see if you remember this list. It's been a few months, and we only went through it, I think, once. But you remember this point, the benefits of salvation are freely given, but are not automatically enjoyed. The benefits of salvation are freely given, but not automatically enjoyed. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. And the question that corresponds with this verse, is it possible to have faith but not walk by faith? And the answer is yes. I'm, I'm trying to help you see what it looks like to have a covenant with God but live like someone who doesn't. I'm trying to get you to see what it looks like to be alienated from the life of God because of a darkened understanding. Okay? And so someone who's been given, Romans 12 and 3, the measure of faith... That's something that you have. But see, a darkened understanding, you'll still be living like someone who, who doesn't have any faith at all. Here, here's another one, Galatians 5 and 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so the question is, is it possible to, to, to live in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit? And, and of course the answer again is Yes. Living in the Spirit means that we have the life of God in us. His Spirit lives in us. But it's one thing for His Spirit to, to be in you and to live in you, but it's another thing for you and me then to walk in the Spirit that's in us every day. Now, the pattern that we see in Matthew chapter 11 that Jesus taught us, He said, Come and I'll give, learn and you'll discover. Come and I will give, learn and you will discover and so we see verses like hebrews 10 and 14 for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified this is talking about every born again believer has been perfected forever by the blood of jesus how about ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us past tense has blessed us you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. If you are born again, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. He didn't say will be given. He said you have been given. You have been given. So when Paul talks about living alienated from the life of God, these are the things he's talking about people missing out on. These are the things that he's talking about people not experiencing and enjoying in their life reality. Here's another one, one of my favorites. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we, now we have received. When have we received it? Now. Now we have received. If you read it tomorrow, it'll say now. We have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Have been freely given to us by God. You've been given things that you don't know you have. Doesn't make them any less yours. But it does mean you are more than likely not experiencing and enjoying those things. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, is not different at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Now, from these verses, we put together a lengthy list of questions. And we're going to go through those right quick, okay? Is it possible... To live in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit? We've already answered that one. The answer is yes. Is it possible to be master of all and still live like a slave? Galatians 4.1 says yes. Is it possible to be given things you do not know you have and live as if they are not yours? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. The answer is yes. Is it possible to be righteous but not live righteously? And again, the answer is yes. We've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. 
But it's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing to learn how to walk in the righteousness that you've become. Is it possible to be free from sin but continue to live as a slave to sin? Again, the answer is yes. Is it possible to be healed but, not con- but continue to experience symptoms of sickness and disease? Again, one-dimensional thinking will never get you here. One-dimensional thinking will never get you here. Your own understanding of how things are and how things work will never get you to the understanding that you've got to have to move forward in the things that God has for us to move forward in. We have been locked down by a darkened understanding long enough. It's time that we break free from a darkened understanding. Amen. Is it possible to be rich but not experience financial abundance? Again, the answer is yes. Is it possible to be blessed but continue to experience conditions of the curse? Again, the answer is yes. Is it possible to be prosperous but not enjoy prosperity? Sadly, yes. Is it possible to know all things but continue to live confused? Is it possible to have the peace of God and still be tormented by anxiety? Is it possible to have the joy of the Lord and continue to struggle with depression? The answer to all these, if you just go ahead and let you know, every one of these answers is yes, okay? Is it possible to have authority but not walk in dominion over the devil in adverse circumstances? Is it possible to have the love of God poured out in your heart but not walk in love and forgiveness towards other people? Is it possible to be victorious and continue to live like a victim? Is it possible to have authority but not walk in dominion over the devil and adverse circumstances? Is it possible to have the love of God poured out in your heart but not walk in love? And fr- I know I've seen it again. I just want to make sure you got it the first time. Is it possible to be victorious and continue to live as a victim? And so the answer to all this is yes. So what's causing this? What's behind this huge disconnect? Why have we been made so much, given so much, become so much, but continue to live as if little to nothing has changed? I believe the answer, in a nutshell, is a darkened understanding. A darkened understanding. Let me run through these and we'll pray. A darkened understanding is one of our greatest and most challenging problems. There's a saying that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Okay. Do you understand that? I mean, there's truth to that, right? You don't, you don't know what you don't know. It's one thing to say humbly before God, thank you for what you've taught me, but also recognize there's a lot of things that I don't know yet. You can't let what you know about the things of God keep you from learning what you don't know about the things of God. And that's where a lot of God's children are. They've learned just enough to get a little bit of relief in their lives, and they let their foot off the gas. They let their foot off the gas. But I'm going I'm to take you don't know what you don't know, and I'm going to change it a little bit, okay? <clears throat> you don't see what you can't see. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you can't see it, you don't see it. And Father wants you to see it. A new creature with an old understanding will continue to live like an old creature. Now, nothing limits you more as a born-again believer than your own understanding. See, this is, this is where we come to the, to the crux of it. This is where we come to the, 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 the tension of it. This is, this is where we come, because how, how, we handle, how we handle our own understanding coming into conflict with God's understanding is the difference between victory or defeat. Amen. It, right there in the, in the tension of that moment. Your own understanding limits you to what makes sense or sounds reasonable to you. And what have we already decided about the ways of God? They're not going to make sense to you. And they're not going to seem reasonable to you. It's just simply not going to do that. Your own understanding will never allow you to go beyond what you can produce on your own. Your own understanding will never produce a miracle. Your own understanding will never produce supernatural increase in your life. Your own understanding locks you into the rudimentary elements of this cursed world. Your own understanding will play it safe every time. Your own understanding will look to money and to men for the answers you need instead of God. You will never experience more than you can produce on your own if you continue to lean on your own understanding. 
But God's understanding does what? It frees you from the rudimentary elements of this world and connects you with His divine power and provision. Stand with me this morning. Do you see why Paul never ceased to pray? Why Paul never ceased to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened? Because Paul, not, not judging, wasn't judging. Wasn't judging. But Paul knew that there were a whole lot of born again, even spirit-filled, men and women in the church at Ephesus who still had a darkened understanding. Doesn't mean they weren't born again. Doesn't mean they weren't born again. It means they were born again, but still looking at things, because understanding is how you see things. They were still looking at things according to the old person they were instead of the new person they became. Okay? Now, what we're going to see is that we come to a new understanding by faith. By faith we understand, the Bible says. We come to a new understanding by faith, but now watch this. Watch this. Holy Spirit's prompting me, so thank you for your patience. I, I want to do what He's telling me to do. All right. I have this one point right here to, to capture it, okay? The Holy Spirit's helping me. He's going to help me right now. I'm going to say it exactly how it needs to be said, okay? The world system... The way the world does what the world does, the way, the way we were, we were uh, taught by the world to get what we want and need, the world system says, understand and then act. We come to the kingdom and we still try to live by don't act until you understand. Don't act until it makes sense. Don't step out until it's completely reasonable. But see, in the kingdom, it doesn't go understand and then act. In the kingdom, it goes act and then understand. You take the step of faith, and that's when you see what you can never see otherwise because when I say in darkness, darkness is the inability to see things as they truly are. If, you're, if your understanding is unable to see things as they truly are, you've got to take a step into the light because in his light we see light. A lot of verses on this, okay? But now watch this. If you want to see things as they truly are before you take the step of faith, It'll never work. Are you s- Every journey towards the light begins in darkness. Every journey towards the light begins in darkness. So let me say it another way. Every journey towards seeing things the way they really are begins from a place of not seeing things as they truly are. If you're ever going to go from not seeing it as it truly is to seeing it as it truly is, at some point you're going to have to say, all right, we've got to take a step of faith here. And there's verse after verse after verse to support this. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for helping us, Father. Thank you for showing us. Father, we declare, I declare, Father, over this family of faith that we are breaking free from a darkened understanding. We are breaking free from a darkened understanding. Father, I have, only heaven knows how many times This prayer in Ephesians 1 has been prayed over this family of faith by myself and others. And Father, those words weren't prayed in vain. Lord, we we are expecting, Lord, we are expecting, we have entered into confident expectation based upon believing, Father, what we don't yet see, faith in in you and your word. Father, there is so many things that you have for us to experience and enjoy, so many things that you have for us to do and, and produce for you and for your glory, Father. And a darkened understanding is limiting us. And so we 
are breaking free from it, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we, we want to do more for you than we understand with our own understanding how to do or how to produce. So thank you, Lord, for helping us. Thank you for teaching us and showing us. Amen. Keep in mind there are people watching online that, that may not be in the room. And so this morning, if, if, uh, if you're here or if you're watching online and you've never been born again, first of all, I can't see you if you raise your hand, but I'm asking you, if you're watching online, to raise your hand because God sees it. That's most important. But if you're in the room and you've never been born again, but you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you just raise your hand this morning? Anybody? Anybody? All right, I want us to all pray this prayer together, those watching online this morning. Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus, and I ask you, Father, to take his precious blood, wash me clean, put away my sins, and make me a new creation. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that you, Father, raised him from the dead. And I ask you now to take my life and do something with it that will bring glory to your name. Use the things that you have put inside of me to make a difference in the lives of others. People that you love, Father. People that Jesus died for. I bring myself, I bring my family, I bring my money, I bring my potential, everything that I am, and everything that I hope to be, and I lay it at your feet, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 praise God, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. All right, I want you to do some praying and some meditating on this this week, Uh, just when you pray and just declare out loud. I am breaking free from a darkened understanding. Amen. Amen. I am breaking free from a darkened... You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's kind of insulting to me. You don't understand. You don't know what I understand. I'm thankful for what I understand and what you understand. Amen. But there's still more. Amen. All right. You be blessed. Have a great week. I'll see some of you in the morning and the rest of you on Wednesday. Praise God.